Hello and welcome to D Up Podcast. This is Lewis Valletta. We're about to get to all of the NBA playoff juicy storylines. The things that you might not have thought about, we're going to put all the dots together. We're going to get to the James Harden non-foul calls. And we're going to touch on many more things like the two series that matter and the two that nobody are paying attention to. Boston's going strong, keeping my predictions up to par. But let's get right into it. James Harden and the Rockets losing game one to the Warriors in Golden State. And I will repeat, in Golden State, because something has to be said. I've been listening to all of the ESPN stuff, uh, the narrative that they're touching upon and TNT. And a lot of the guys aren't being harsh enough. A lot of the commentators aren't being harsh enough and just coming out and saying that that the game was almost thrown by the refs, uh, being harsh about it enough to just say, listen, the refs were clearly on the Warriors' side here. Now, the reason why they don't, they might not go full tilt is because they have corporate sponsors and they don't want to upset the NBA, um, but I'm going to go full throttle with it and tell you that there is definitely something going on, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all, but we all know that the the NBA is entertainment and things are going to be really weighted Uh, I'm not saying that Houston didn't miss a lot of threes in this game they definitely took a lot of threes they missed a lot of threes and uh, they have to take responsibility for the loss yet the the disparity in calls and the number one the the difference in judgment that the refs displayed in the playoffs this round two in this series in game one versus the regular season the disparity is glaring and if you can't see what happened in the first half let's just take the first half alone there should have been three foul calls on from clay thompson on james harden in the first half if you see how they have officiated and changed the rules in the current in these current NBA seasons, where you can't land in you you can't touch where the shooter is landing with your feet, your body, you can't get into that shooter's area, that circle around that radius around the player. Now, what has to happen is that you have to give the shooter room to land. Back in the old days, in the Jordan days, uh, you can reach up. As long as the ball was released, you could hit the shooter really after he shot the ball. And it was okay. Uh, the landing stuff, that all that didn't, didn't exist. But because the rules have been changed and the officials have called it one way the whole entire season, you can watch every single game. For this game and this game only the refs have officiated it differently now from my position i want to ask you why was that you have to really think why did they stop this game and i don't think anybody has the answer to that but we can guess and we can only say that the referees were and the officials were on Golden State's side. There was home cooking and there must be some weighted advantage and some uh, effort to see the Warriors succeed in this series and win over the Houston Rockets. Now there was a ton of questionable calls last year 
in the Houston Game 7 versus the Warriors. Now, a stunning thing happened after the Houston game. The Rockets organization drew up a memo of last year's Game 7 saying to the NBA that there was a difference of 8.6 points, 18.6 points, correct me. Their foul calls were given to the Golden State Warriors, which in turn made the difference in the game. Now, we don't know how this is going to affect the officiating. We don't know how this is going to affect the NBA, but it's a public thing now, and it's known uh, throughout the, the the NBA world that they did put in that memo. Will the referees change the way that they officiate Will now that there's public pressure? Um, it's one of the storylines we can sit back and watch. Uh, Getting racked back into the details of the current state, game one. Again, the referees just didn't blow the whistle on calls against Paul and and James Harden on their three-pointers that they normally would call. Now, on the last second shot, not on those first half three-pointers against Clay Thompson, but on that last second shot, that, that last three by James Harden. James Harden did exaggerate. He made almost a V with his body and threw out his legs. And that was to entice the refs even more to call the foul because he wasn't getting the fouls. Now, I could see the refs not blowing the whistle on that particular three-pointer. But there was, if you go back to the game and you watch that game, there are three clear fouls on him in the first half that the refs choked on their whistles for. Um, Some commentators have said that the refs have too much to look at, that they're watching the shot, they're watching the body, and then afterwards they're not seeing, they're watching the whole play, they're not seeing the, the landing. But what has changed to where in the regular season they were being able to see that that landing and if you're undercutting the shooter. I mean, why are you making the calls the whole time during the regular season? Now, again, I'm not making an excuse for the Rockets. They missed a lot of threes. They took a lot of threes. And you, if you live by the sword, you got to die by the sword. I just want consistent officiating. Now, the Warriors won the game by four. I think the score was 104 to 100. And one thing I've noticed is that the Warriors are really doing a great job also on their their interior defense, limiting the lobs to the rim. If you see the Rockets play all the year, they love to run the screen and roll. They love to throw it to uh, Capella. And Capella usually rises up and dunks the ball. Now the Golden State Warriors are packing it in the lane, just like they did uh, last last series on that on that last uh, the last game, game seven of what they did. Their their interior defense was phenomenal. Their help defense was aggressive, and that's what that's what they're doing. Their defensive scheme against the Rockets, uh, it's just it's just amazing. Uh, I like what the Rockets are doing and they're, what they're trying to do. It's amazing that they only lost by four. So many open shots they've missed, you know, besides the the ones that were not fouls. There were so many opportunities for the Rockets to steal game one, and they weren't able to do it. Uh, Kevin Durant is playing out of his mind. Kevin Durant is 
on a different stratosphere right now. He's doing one-legged fadeaways. His mid-range game is, is hitting. He's just playing aggressive and unstoppable. A lot of times the Rockets will will leave him one-on-one, -on -one, which I think is a, a mistake. But then again, what do you do if Clay is on that side or Steph's on that side? You can't double if Steph or Clay is on that side because they're licking their chops for the three. Uh, it's a really tough call, but... Kevin Durant one-on-one -on -one is murder. It's suicide. Kevin Durant's going to kill you every single time one-on-one. -on -one. He's 6'11". He can shoot. He can put the ball on the floor. He can fade away. He can do, go off of one leg. The guy is an animal, and in my opinion, he's the best player in the league. That's because he's added his, uh, defense to his, his repertoire. Finally, he's playing defense, and he's playing it aggressively. Um. The Rockets in the first half did some did some really nice things. They were they were stripping Kevin Durant. They were playing him very well. I thought uh, Kevin Durant lost the ball a lot in the first half to the Rockets. Whatever they were doing, uh, they were they were really doing it well. Uh, but again, there's just too many unforced mistakes by the Rockets, and then of course those those foul calls. It's sad that the narrative and storyline of the Warriors-Rockets now is going to be the officiating, and I just don't like when referees get in the way, and now we have to talk about it so much instead of talking about the X's and O's, the player matchups. I would love to talk about that stuff a lot more. Unfortunately, now we have to keep our eyes open in this game too tonight and see the differences. I'm. I know. I'm very excited to see what's going to go on, uh, and and you should be too. Um, it's going to be a wonderful series. I feel it's going to go seven games. I'm picking this series to go seven games. I don't know how a team is going to beat the Warriors. I, I, you know, on t on paper, and you know, even with the eye test, it's it's almost impossible to imagine. But I'm picking the series to go seven games, and uh, I can't. I can't tell you how excited I am. I barely can wait for tonight at 10.30. Moving forward, Boston and the Bucks, Giannis Atacumpo versus Kyrie and all of the superstars on the Celtics. The Celtics have a ton of firepower, and that's why they won game one. Their, their schemes are fantastic. Their defensive scheme right now against Giannis and loading up on Giannis. It is, it is working beyond belief, and uh, the Bucks are not hitting those open shots. Now, for the Bucks to even have a shot at a team as talented as Boston, you really have to hit open threes, open shots, which they're, they're not doing right now. So Boston's hedging their bet. Boston's just saying, listen, um, we're not going to let Giannis beat us. Horford one-on-one -on -one versus Giannis is doing a wonderful job. Uh, he's doing a 10 out of 10 job. I'm, I know Horford was great, but I didn't know how good he was on defense. It's becoming pretty apparent that uh, the Boston Celtics are not going to give Giannis anything easy at the rim. Any shot he takes is challenged. If he's going to dunk on you, uh, there's going to be a guy underneath from Boston in his face. They're not going to just let him go. Um, Boston has a wall, sometimes a wall of four people 
waiting and they're packing in the lane uh, similar to what uh, Golden State is doing um, Golden State's not only covering the three they're they're packing in the lane and uh, right now Boston's doing a very similar job to to Golden State on that end and Boston has a ton of firepower I always knew that there was a lot more juice to be squeezed from that orange. The Boston Celtics have a huge ceiling. At times, they can be the best team in the NBA. And if they execute, and if they're playing as a team, if Kyrie is trusting the Boston Celtics, his teammates, if the ball is moving, which it is right now, if Kyrie is in control, controlling the pace, this is going to be a series that the Celtics take. And... I picked Boston at the beginning of the regular season uh, to to get to the finals. Didn't pick them to win the finals, but I picked them to get to the finals for a reason. And uh, like I said, when they're executing, when they're all on the same page, this is the best team in the NBA at times. Uh, Milwaukee, owners of the best record in the regular season. Uh, their medal isn't really tested the same way that Boston's is. Boston has been in the fire, and they're showing it right now in their intensity and their playoff intensity. They're just up at a different level. I'm curious to see if the Bucks are going to respond and they're going to make the adjustments. Whatever those adjustments are going to be, um, I can't tell you because Boston's playing really well on the defensive and offensive side right now. But I would be curious to see what the Bucks do to free up Giannis. If Giannis can do it all himself, if he can play Michael Jordan and say, I'm going to go one-on-five with you guys, I'm going to beat you anyway, I want to see Giannis respond. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Adekunpo. Uh, I think he is one of the... The, the, the most exciting to watch in the NBA. The guy's intense. He's got that Russell Westbrook intensity where he's always going to go hard. He's going to yell. He's going to scream. Giannis is a one-man show. He's a dunking machine. I love to see him at his best. And this is going to be great. I think this is a marquee matchup. The Boston Celtics team versus Giannis in this game too. So buckle up and get ready because I think you're going to see a lot of fire in game two. I'm predicting a very close game, and I'm predicting a guy like like Adekumpo. He's a warrior. He is going to come back with ferocity, and he's going to put forth his best effort in this next game. And if whether it's and I told you, if, if Milwaukee, if his teammates can hit the open shots, then they can win. That's the only way that they can win. Moving along to the Philadelphia series uh, versus the Raptors. Last night, uh, Joel LMB made that go-ahead uh, drop-step move in the paint to put Philadelphia up. And they wound up defeating the Raptors at Toronto. So the series is 1-1. It is going to be a great series now. I didn't see that coming. I thought the Raptors were playing so well they were going to take game two. But Philadelphia showed with ball movement and teamwork, when that ball moves, they are at their best. Uh, It was a completely different 76ers team last night. And uh, they showed that they're they're in the the, the running for that Eastern Conference. I will admit, I, I wrote them off. I didn't think Philadelphia had it in them after I saw them play in game one. 
Um, I saw bits and pieces of the game and then went back and, and, and reviewed it on YouTube, watched it, and I said, all right, this, this team's done. They don't have a chance. But I'm going to go back on my word and say this is now uh, a series. Uh, Kawhi is now up against the wall to steal one of these games in Philadelphia because the series obviously is going back to Philadelphia. I love watching Kawhi. I know you guys do too because uh, on the defensive end, he's just special. He's just a really, really special player. And um, we watch him and we don't, I don't think we appreciate his greatness enough because he's not that flashy guy. But he has so many fundamentals on the offensive end. That shot that he goes in the free throw line extended, he always goes to his spots. He makes those shots and he finds a way to get there all the time. He has a slight fade in his shot, very much like, a, like an MJ. Um, Kawhi can do it on both ends. Best two-way player in the league. Um, Kyle Lowry is going to have to be really aggressive. He's going to have to make his open shots if the Toronto Raptors decide that they are going to win this series. But this Game 3 coming up in Philadelphia is going to be pivotal. I'm picking whoever wins this Game 3 in Philadelphia wins the series. I will go on record as saying that now. This is the pivotal game. Moving over to the Denver-Portland series. Man, can you say enough about Nikolai Jocic, with however you pronounce his name? I still don't have it yet. The Joker. 37 points. I mean, the man is a, a big, tall, goofy-looking point guard, man. Uh, he could shoot the three. He can pat. What a passer he is. What a, what a great basketball IQ. Uh, gets to the rim, dishes it off. I mean, the guy can do everything. And... He's been playing at a very high level. And now you see that he's doing it in the most intensive places in the playoffs. And uh, his superstar status is, is now in gold. Um, uh, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum in Portland. Uh, we, we know what they did the last series. And, and they're continuing to play well. Yet the, the shocker was uh, N.S. Cantor, who played out of his mind in this game, uh, wonderful to see him play at that level in the playoffs versus a quality team like Denver. And I'm very, very happy for him. I hope that that he can continue his play as Damian and CJ start to elevate as the series go on. It's very dangerous if you have CJ and Damian on, from Portland shooting the threes, shooting the twos, the, uh, the mid-range game, and you have Ennis Cantor on the opposite side cleaning up those offensive boards and grabbing. He's a bull down low. Ennis Cantor can put that layup or dunk in because he's so strong in the lower body. I love the idea uh, on Ennis on this, this Portland team. I hope he's found a home here in Portland because – uh, I think, like I said, he's a he's a perfect fit for the team. He's a great piece, and I hope he stays there. Jamal Murray continues to impress. He's just one young buck that can really play, put the ball in the hoop. He can shoot. Him and Nikolai are going to lead this team for a long time, uh, and they're getting their feet wet right now in the playoffs. They're getting their medal tested. And they're doing a great job. Uh, Jamal Murray against is going up against two of the best guards in the NBA, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. So hats off to him for holding his own. So in totality, the second round that we're watching right now, I think most NBA experts and most fans would agree that 
these are the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. I feel Boston and, and the Bucks, well, whoever comes out of that series is going to the East. And with Houston and the Warriors, whoever comes out of that, store, uh, that contest is going to go straight to the Western Conference Finals. I'm not saying in a cakewalk, but it's kind of agreed upon that those are the two, not only the marquee series name-wise, but those are the series that the teams are the strongest. Um, at the beginning of the year, I had said Boston was going to play the Warriors. And I'm sticking with that guess right now, um, and barring any injury. Obviously, injuries can side rail or derail that. Um, it's, it's hard for me to root for the Warriors because uh, they're such a stacked team. And now that the referees look like they're on their side, uh, it's, it's really hard to root for the Warriors. I'm trying to stay objective as possible as I can. I would like to see Houston get a shot at it I think Houston is a team that's super hungry that almost had it last year uh, they were up 3-2 in that series I believe uh, versus the Warriors and I would love to see Houston get there this year but I'm going to try to call it a je- up objective I'm going to try to see it with open eyes as as should you uh, I think we're in for great greatness excuse me on both ends here Bucks Boston great series Houston Warriors, great series. I mean, when have the playoffs been so exciting? I mean, I don't remember. These are the best playoffs in a long, long time. Uh, we have a lot of the the talent in the league right now to follow. The NBA has done a, has done a great job in developing the 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 characters like a Netflix drama uh, of these guys. We we see the in depth. Uh, personality of them on their post-game interviews, in-game. It's just an exciting time to be an NBA fan. So keep tuning in. I'll be your voice here for the playoff. You can follow my Instagram account. It's Lewis Edward Balletta. So it's Lewis underscore Edward underscore Balletta. And the name of my podcast, you know, is D-Up. I love defense. That's why I named it. The up defense is a lost art, and you'll see this year. Whoever plays the best defense is going to win the championship. So tune in here next week because I told you to, and I'm going to serve you with the best basketball information I possibly can. So D up and buckle up. I'll see you later. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who will help build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network. Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line.